We shall turn now to the chapter which we read, the book of Genesis, chapter 28, and we'll read again verses 16 and 17. Genesis 28 at verse 16, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. When was Jacob converted? Some people argue that it was 20 years after this, when he was at Penuel. You remember how there he met with God and he wrestled with the angel and he prevailed and God blessed him. But no, surely Jacob is converted here at Bethel. A converted man is somebody who knows God, who has entered into a relationship with God, a personal relationship. Here we see that God comes to Jacob. Conversion really begins with God. He's the author and the finisher. He's the one who takes the initiative because by nature we're dead, dead in trespasses and sins spiritually asleep and we only wake up when God comes to us and stirs us up. So here God comes to Jacob and you notice that Jacob makes a covenant with God. He enters into this covenant with God. Remember many years ago, my father saying to me that the best evangelistic text in the scripture is Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 3. Incline your ear, come unto me, hear and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. even the sure mercies of David. An everlasting covenant. This is what happens when we are saved. We enter into a covenant. And God is saying to to us, listen, incline your ear, come, hear, draw near to me. And God says, I will make with you not a temporary covenant, not a partial change, not something that will last for a while, but I will make with you an everlasting covenant. The sure mercies of David, not the David of the Old Testament, but the David of the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we have here then, We have Jacob entering into this covenant with God. Have you made a covenant with God? 
Are you in a covenant relationship with him? Have you inclined your ear? Come to him. And given your life to him. And taken him into your heart and life. <coughs> well we have here first of all a miserable man. Jacob had lied to his blind, old, dying father. Thought he was dying. Didn't die then. He lived on for many years after it. But Isaac thought he was dying. and He was going to bless and he wanted, wrongly, he wanted to bless his older son, Esau. God had said before they were born, the elder shall serve the younger. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. But Isaac lusted after the venison that Esau brought to him. And he wanted to bless, to bless with a covenant blessing, with the blessing of Abraham. He wanted to bless his older son. Rebecca heard about this. And she wanted the blessing for the younger son, whom she preferred. But it wasn't just that. She knew God's word. She knew that God had spoken and that Jacob was the one who was to be blessed. But instead of trusting God and trusting the promises of God, she trusted in her own devices. And so did Jacob. Jacob, by this time, wasn't just a boy. He would be about 40 years of age. So he was a grown, mature man. His twin brother had married two wives by this stage and had family. So Jacob lied to his blind father. He said that he was Esau. He wore Esau's clothes. He put the skin of a goat on, his, on the back of his hands and on his neck, pretending that he was hairy Esau. He was involved in deception. And he got the blessing. He was going to get it anyway. But he had deceived his father. Lies. The end never justifies the means. He deceived his father and he had tricked his brother Esau. And of course Esau was very angry. And Esau wanted to kill him. And so Jacob has to leave home. So he goes away, flees from his brother, leaves home. The home he knew, the work he knew, the wealth he was accumulating there. He leaves his mother, his devoted mother. He'll never see her again. He leaves all this behind, all that's familiar. And as he goes away, heading off to a strange land, his conscience condemns him, condemns his lies. He's lonely, he's uncertain. He's setting out on this very, very long journey on his own. He leaves 
the church behind, the only church he knew, the church in the house of his father. He leaves his church behind. And his religion and his God, so he thought, leaves his family and he's now homeless. He makes a bed for himself, not a feather bed this night, but a bed of stones, big stones, which he lays down to form a bed. Not very comfortable. He lies down, not in some nice house, but under the stars. And he tries to sleep on this uncomfortable bed. But he's tired. He's been walking all day. And he falls asleep. A guilty sinner. Without God and without hope. A miserable person. I wonder could you be today something like Jacob. A miserable person. Different things in your life that have been going wrong. Things that have happened. That leave you disturbed and troubled. And you feel a certain sense of guilt. Of loneliness. There's plenty of people around you. And yet you feel alone. And God's far away. Well, here we have, first of all, then, a miserable man. But secondly, we have here a merciful God. And salvation, as we said before, starts with God. By nature, we're dead in our sins. As somebody said, our extremity is God's opportunity. Of course, God creates the extremity as well as the opportunity. Conversion starts with God and starts with a sense of need. They that are whole need not a physician. If you're healthy, you don't go to the doctor. But it's when you feel this pain, when you see that there's something seriously wrong with you, you realize, well, I have to go to the doctor. I need help. And so it is with salvation. We have to be aware of our spiritual need, of the leprosy of sin, the disease that has affected us before we will come to God. Most people feel they're okay. They think everything's fine. They're enjoying life. They're busy with their work, with their families, with their pleasures. They drift on from day to day. They're happy. They're self-righteous. They feel they're no worse than anyone else. They're not too bothered about religion. Not too bothered about their soul. There's so many like that in Inverness, isn't there? They're only a breath away from hell. Any moment they could die. Weeping and wailing and gnashing their teeth forever. In the lake of fire. But they drift on from day to day, busy, pleasure, quite happy, just like the rest, taking comfort from the fact that their friends are just the same. 
It needs something to happen. Something, some trauma to come into a person's life, perhaps. Sickness, maybe. Or a sickness of somebody near you. Or perhaps a sudden death. Or maybe a loved one passes away. Perhaps you lose your job. Or maybe there's some financial difficulty. Or some disaster comes your way. And you feel a sense of vulnerability, weakness, need, concern. It was like that with with Jacob here. He has left home. He's left all he knew and loved behind him. He's aware of his sin and his guilt and that he's suffering for it. That because of his lies and deceit he had to flee from his family and from his brother he knows it's his own fault there's that sense of need as he lies down in the open countryside under the stars on a very uncomfortable bed but then God comes God comes in a dream And he sees a ladder stretching all the way up to heaven. And God at the top of the ladder. And angels. Who are the angels? Spirits. Ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who are heirs of salvation. Servants. Servants to God's people. And he sees the angels Ascending and descending. Why are they ascending first? Well, because they're already with him. They're there with him already. The Lord is looking after him. Even although he feels so desolate, lonely, forsaken. The angels are already there. God comes to him in that dream And God speaks to him. In verse 13, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. God's introducing himself to Jacob. Jacob didn't know who he was. So God tells him who he is. I am the God of Abraham. And the God of Isaac. And I will give you this land. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. You will have a numerous seed. And thou shalt spread forth abroad to the west and to the east. To the north and to the south. And not just that. But in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. What a wonderful promise. You're going to have children. And through these children, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. You know, God's not just going to convert a minority, a handful here and there, as it's been up till now. In this verse, there's a promise of a far greater and better and blessed day ahead. When all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
Not that every single individual will be saved, but all the families of the earth blessed. How wonderful! How rich a promise! How optimistic we should be in our Christian faith, looking for great things from a great God. Well, that's the promise made here to Jacob. And behold, says God, verse 15, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. I am with thee and I will keep thee. I will look after thee and I will bring thee again into this land for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. What a wonderful promise. It came to him in a sleep, came to him in a dream. God spoke through dreams. God often spoke in Old Testament times through dreams. And occasionally, even to this present time, God speaks through dreams. God does that. And here we have God speaking to Jacob in this way, I will be your God. Has God said that to you? Can you say, God is my God. He's mine. I know it. He loves me and I love him. And he's going to be with me all the days of my life. What a wonderful thing. What an amazing thing. For God to say to any sinner, I will be with thee. I will not leave thee. I will bless thee. So thirdly, we have here a converted man. Verse 16. Jacob awakes out of his sleep. And he says, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. God is here. I didn't know it. I thought I had left God behind with Isaac and Rebecca, my parents, there. But God is here. God is in this place. And he has just revealed himself to me. And you notice... He was afraid. There's a fear. And a fear is always appropriate when we meet God. There's something awesome about God. God's not to be treated as if he were our chum. Somebody more or less on the same level or a little bit above us. God is infinitely above us. And when we meet with God, our hair stands on end. A shiver passes through us. He is so great. So holy. So powerful. So immense. We are to fear God. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Those who don't fear God are fools. The fool hath said in his heart there is no God. But the Christian 
The true Christian who meets God fears God. God is awesome. He's so great, so powerful, so glorious. And he was afraid. And he said, how dreadful is this place? How terrible, how awesome, how frightening is this place? What an amazing place I'm in. This is none other than the house of God and the gate of heaven. Where is the house of God? Some people think the house of God is limited to cathedrals or churches. But no. The house of God can be anywhere. Because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But not just that. It's not just that God's omnipresence is everywhere. But his felt presence is in can be in any place, wherever you are. can be on the streets, out on the hills, in your home, anywhere. God comes to you. And it's awesome. It's amazing to meet God. It's frightening. And yet at the same time, it's encouraging. And that's the way it was for Jacob. He was afraid and he said, How dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. God revealed himself to Jacob. And God revealing himself to us, that's salvation. You've got to meet with God. You've got to get to know him. Some, some people think being a Christian is going to church or being a member of a church or being baptized and taking communion. Some people think a Christian is a matter of beliefs or a matter of things you do. You're a good person. You do good things. But no, being a Christian is knowing God. Knowing him, not just knowing about him. The devils have that kind of faith. The devils believe and they tremble. They tremble because they see God's judgment coming upon them. But being a Christian is meeting God, knowing God, Loving God, enjoying God, walking with God, having God in your heart and you being in the heart of God. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, verse 18, and he took the stone that he had put for his pillows and he set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. This is almost like the sacrament, isn't it? A memorial. Do this in remembrance of me. You see, we're to, to believe with our heart and to confess with our mouth. 
For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. You believe inwardly to righteousness, sin forgiven, pardon. You confess to the enjoyment. You confess to others so that you come into the full assurance of salvation. And here's Jacob then. He takes the stone and he sets it up for a pillar. As it were, making a public profession. Pours oil over it. A memorial to the Lord. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But the name of the city at first was called Luz. <coughs> Bethel. Well, that's Beth is the Hebrew word for house. El is the Hebrew word for God, house of God. So there he is, far away from home, far away from Isaac, his father. But he's at the house of God. Because he's there worshipping God. And God is revealing himself to him. And then notice that he makes a vow. Jacob vowed a vow saying, If God be with me, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to be torn. If God will be with me. If God will give me bread to eat and clothes to be torn. He's not looking for wealth or riches. He's looking for his daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Consider the, the birds, the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Will he not feed you? Or think of the lilies. Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Why are you worrying about food and clothes? Well, these are the necessities of life. But here's Jacob entering into covenant with God to provide for him his necessities his heavenly father, to feed him and to clothe him. He's trusting in God. And if thou wilt bring me back in peace to my father's house, then you shall be my God and I will be yours. So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Notice this covenant this vow this entering into a relationship with God incline your ear come unto me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you even the sure mercies of David Jacob entered into a covenant and he says this stone which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And I will come and worship at this place again, which he did many years after, many years after. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give 
the tenth unto thee. He would give a tithe of all that the Lord gave him. He would give it to the Lord. Acknowledging God and worshipping God with his givings as well as with his, the praise of his lips. And then we're told, chapter 29, Jacob went on his journey. He carried on on his way. Went on his way rejoicing. We think of the Ethiopian eunuch. Remember him, Acts chapter 8. How he was struggling to understand the scriptures. He was reading God's word and he was having difficulty making sense. He was seeking the Lord for himself. And he was reading Isaiah Isaiah 53. Led as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep dumb before her shearers. So he opened not his mouth. Of whom speaketh the prophetess? Of himself or of some other man? Who is he talking about? Wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And God sends Philip to him. And Philip explains, this is Jesus, the Son of God. He is the Lamb. He's the sacrifice. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He has died on the cross and risen again. Believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. And the eunuch says, look, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? If thou believest with all thine heart, yes, you can be baptized. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And so he's baptized. And then Philip is taken away by the Spirit. But the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Oh, the joy, the joy of having a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that your sins are forgiven, knowing that you have a God who cares for you, knowing that you have a Savior who died for you on the cross, knowing that he has given his Holy Spirit to dwell in your hearts, to guide you and direct you, knowing that he has given his angels charge concerning you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. How wonderful it is to be a Christian. Are you converted today? Or are you still dead in your sins? Come to Christ today. Put your faith in Christ. And go on your way rejoicing. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, we thank thee for the wonderful gospel that thou hast given us, the gospel of God's redeeming grace, that thou hast set before us a mighty Saviour. And we pray that we would put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we too would go on our way rejoicing that God is our God and Christ is our Saviour, and that the Spirit of God dwells in our hearts that we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. So bless us each one, for Jesus' sake. Amen. 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 We shall sing in conclusion in Psalm 106. Psalm 106 will sing.
verses 1 to 5. Give praise and thanks unto the Lord, for bountiful is he. His tender mercy doth endure unto eternity. God's mighty works who can express or show forth all his praise. Blessed are they that judgment keep and justly do always. Verses 1 to 5 to God's praise. Give praise and thanks unto the are as follows the evening service at the usual time of 6.30pm the meeting on Thursday at 7.30 will be taken by Reverend Craig Dennison and he will be holding it as a TBS meeting he's a TBS speaker and Mr. Dennison will be staying in the manse with his young family until the 29th of this month and we'll take the Sabbath services next week and the prayer meeting on the 28th. Uh, the services next week at the usual times, 11 and 6.30. All God willing. There are three extra copies of Mr. Ferrier's book, Ministers of the Free North, on the box on the table in the vestibule for anyone who would like one 
there are envelopes inside each book in the box with a price. Please put the payment in the envelope and put in the box when you can. These are all the intimations. <coughs> the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Amen. Amen.